<laughs> I was so like overtaken by their, their acceptance of us, you know, like we played music for them and they played music. We danced, they danced. We didn't, we weren't speaking the same language, but we understood each other, you know? If you're like me, you have a heart for missions and may have already done some missions work yourself, but you also see some huge issues in the way missions are being done. Like, why are we still sending out monthly newsletters in a digital age when technology allows for instant updates in the palm of your hand? Or why are we convinced that we need to raise two years support before going when all 12 disciples dropped what they were doing and walked away? Or why are we allowing denominations to decide who can and cannot go do what God is calling them to do just because of things they've done in their past? And at what point did we brand following Christ to be a life of scarcity and sacrifice when it's truly a life of abundance and privilege? These are some of the blaring questions in the missions world today. And Watch Missions Live is here to reshape the way you see missions. It's time for missionaries to rise up, create a shift in perspective, a change, a revolution in the way things are done and give you the real story. One of abundance, fulfillment, and privilege. My name is Aaron Jennings, and welcome to Watch Missions Live. Hey everybody, welcome to Watch Missions Live, and today I have Nelia Hutt and Melissa Alves, and we're going to talk about Nelia's trip to Guatemala. Uh, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself for us? Hi Aaron, hi Melissa, I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. Um, in Ontario, Canada. Um, I've been married for 24 years now, and I have a beautiful 13-year-old son who's going on uh, 16, I think. But uh, I got one of those too, Nelia. <laughs> yeah, I, that, hence I only have the one, right? <laughs> but uh, but honestly, he is fabulous, and I must say he was the one who taught me um, how to give to others. He um, he started his own. Um, his own nonprofit when he was six and he's been feeding the homeless ever since and he runs that by himself now at 13 so he's really taught me a lot so I have a great family and support that's awesome sounds like we need to talk to him too <laughs> he's too shy he may not do it but oh, okay, he's very okay. humble <laughs> as some of you know Melissa Alves she's been on other episodes but why don't you say hi to Melissa Hello, how is everybody today? I am so excited, Nelia, to have you on today. And I do not believe you when you say that your son is shy because that is how you got onto this podcast, you interviewing him, and he did an amazing, amazing job. Yes, he did, but ever since it's come out, he's asked me to take it down numerous times. He's oh, like, no! <laughs> he's like, my friend heard it, and now like they're talking about it, and then I'm like, that's okay, you're doing a good thing, you shouldn't be embarrassed about it, but yeah, it's not for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I totally. None of us like the way we sound when we're all done, but you know. <laughs> but he's doing a wonderful thing, and he should be proud. Oh, thank you. If you ever need Can any I motivation, we're, we're always happy to fuel people. So, so let's talk about your trip to Guatemala. You said it was called the Ukulele Project, and you were taking um, ukuleles down. So get into that a little bit. Like, how did you figure out about this? Did you hear about it, or did you make it up? Like, how did it? How did this come to be? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to say that I really love the message of your podcast. It's okay. so important for people to know how easy it is to plan your own mission trip. I think that if more people realize this, then people would do it over and over and over again. 
Um, I've only been on the one, but it's kind of weird how it came about. Um, so growing up, I always wanted to be on a participate on a mission trip, but I always thought that it would be hard. It would be dangerous. It would be costly. Um, and I was a little bit afraid to do it. So I met um, a physician friend of mine. Her name's Hillary. And the first time I met her, we got to talking and she mentioned to me um, that for years, uh, her and her family would uh, go down to Guatemala and serve people there, even as a, a teenager. And now she continues that twice a year with her family, with her small children. And from that moment, we, I just bonded with her, like, just love this girl to death. So, and she really, um, she's changed my life a lot. So I immediately asked her if um, I could go on the next trip. Like the first day I met her, I said, can I come on the next trip? So she's like, yeah, for sure. I'd love, anybody can join. I'd love to. Um, so we started planning the trip. Trip was canceled. Volcano blew up. There were some things that happened. Um, so we didn't go down. Did and I hear, I'm sorry, Nelia, but did I yeah. hear correctly? You said a volcano <laughs> yeah, a volcano down in Guatemala erupted and it was no longer safe for us to go. And yeah. I was heartbroken because I'm like, here, after all this time wanting to go, I finally have, you know, because I thought it was so hard, right? Here I am finally met somebody who's done it, who can show me, who can help me out. And so that I'm not afraid to do it. And here, you know, I mean, God forbid, I mean, it was terrible, this volcano, like it wasn't anything we could control. Like, I feel terrible for the people, but I was like really devastated. I wanted to go. So um, I said, you know what? The year went by. It's all I talked about. And I decided I'm going to come up with my own plan because um, her thing had kind of fallen through. So I, it took me a little while to figure it out, but um I suffer from anxiety and depression um, since my father died when I was pregnant with my son. And over the years, the only thing that helped me in those moments were helping other people and music. So music is very healing for me and for our family. We all play music together. Um, I knew that I couldn't help with money because I didn't have the financial means to do that. So that was out of the question. Um, I knew that I wasn't a physician, so I couldn't help you know, with medical care, because I know that the need is high there, but I couldn't do that. The only thing I knew was music. And I figure, well, if it can help me, it can help them. So decided to start the ukulele project. Um, I didn't speak Spanish. My, I'm Portuguese, but it's still quite different. Uh, my family didn't speak Spanish, but we learned Spanish over the few months after that. Um, and we wrote a song, it's called Hola Guatemala. And it's just like a welcome from Canadians to Guatemala. And we, we learned, you know, the language and played it for them when we got there. So basically what we did was um, this physician friend of mine, she introduced me um, to a, an organization called Fundamaya. Um, and it's run by Sharon Smart. Um, so she helped me contact them. And I was granted permission to attend three of their preschools. So we went to um, San Jorge, La Laguna. We went to Panajachel. We went to San Antonio. So there were three preschools run by Fundamaya. Um, so this organization is amazing. So they work tirelessly around the clock, helping Mayan families. They do lots of different things. So that's uh, it's a lot of information to get into today, but they're, they're really amazing. Um, we raised some money. Uh, 
you know, it, it, we didn't raise tons of money, but we raised enough money. We bought, it was just 22 ukuleles. It was nothing big. Um, some tuners, some strings, some percussion shakers. And we said, well, you know what, let's try this, right? So we went down and um, we divided them amongst the three schools. And it doesn't sound like a lot. It's six ukuleles per school or whatever it worked out to be. But wow, like the welcome that we had there, I don't know, it was incredible. From the moment we arrived, like the children, like they all welcomed us at Fundamaya. They did a dance for us. It was like they were so happy yeah. to have us there. And we really didn't do very much. You know, they provided pre free transportation. Um, they had a translator who has become like family to me now. And she took us all around. She's a 23-year-old girl who's who biked from, you know, L.A. to Guatemala on her bicycle. Like, just phenomenal people that you meet and the stories, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, let me stop you and jump yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Because I appreciate you, you know, kind of giving us the props at the beginning for showing people how easy it is because there are so many people that miss that. It's people seem to think, well, I'll... I can plan a vacation anytime I want. That's not a big deal, but a mission trip. Oh no, I got to go with somebody and do all this stuff. And we act like it's such a big difference, but you can take your own money and meet one person and just pick up and go. And the other thing, you know, like you were pointing out how it's, um, it didn't seem like much. Um, my wife and I have been a lot of places and we took um, one of the groups to Kenya Katali, Kenya, we had a bunch of like McDonald's toys that they were mm -hmm. giving out to the kids. And we noticed like four days later, this kid that was like seven years old, he had gotten a tractor in a cardboard box, you know, like a new tractor, like we'd see on the shelves here. Mm -hmm. Four or five days later, he was still carrying it around and hadn't opened the box. And we're like, aren't you going to play with it? And he's like, well, I don't want to break it. It's like the only toy that I have. And yeah, it may not seem like much to us, but it, man, it means the world to them, you know? And mm -hmm. so I know what you're talking about, how it seems like it's not much, but I can, I can picture the excitement, you know, in those three schools as you brought in the ukuleles and things. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like, there were four preschoolers to one teacher and they were all like four and under it was incredible how much work they do. But as soon as we walked in, they would come running up toward us. They were hugging us. And they didn't even know why we were there. Like, they were just like, oh, my God, there's people here, you know. And I'll never forget the feeling um, that I had. When I left the school, I literally sobbed outside. Like, I was just so overtaken. Um, sorry. It's fun and hard to think back, isn't it? <laughs> I was so like overtaken by their their acceptance of us you know like we played music for them and they played music we danced they danced we didn't we weren't speaking the same language but we understood each other you know mm -hmm. and in these moments like the children really forgot how hungry they are yep they forgot how tired they were because they have no place to sleep and um, they were just children, you know? Sorry. That's okay. I've seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, it's, I know exactly what you're feeling right now, too. 
it's it's awesome it's amazing that's why we want this message to get out we want people to do this and understand that it doesn't matter if you bring anything right those, right those people there when you show up that means the world to them that you did everything you did just to get there to spend time with them you don't have to bring anything right and it is it's, it's almost better for us you know to <laughs> witness that you know it's just as good for us to witness and be a part of it as it is for them yeah, it's just you don't know. You know it's going to feel good, but you don't know until you do it. Um, and music has no limits. Like, it's an international language. Um, I feel that sharing it just created happiness, just made them feel, you know, just forget everything. And it helps your mental health so much. So that's, as a family, that's what we could offer. And, you know, like, creating that happiness for that hour that we did, showing the love and kindness it's free and that's what i could afford i could afford to give them that you know Nellie, and you brought you brought them hope and you brought them hope with music and that right there is more more special to anybody more you gave those children love oh thanks <laughs> It, 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 no, because, you know, it touched my heart as you were sharing that before. And I want you to know that just you, you think that you, you what you were doing was nothing, but it's more, it was, it was so much more. <laughs> um, we actually, you know, yeah, it was just like, I just want to tell your audience that if you've ever thought about doing a mission trip, just do it. Like, there's so many problems that need solutions. You know, there's so many ways to connect with different people. And I guarantee you, like, I don't know, you're going to have a new respect for the way that other people live. Mm -hmm. You'll become more tolerant of them, more grateful. Uh, you know, you're going to take that experience and you're going to be changed forever. Like, I really can't wait to go to my next one. We, the day I came back, I planned to go for, you know, like in July, like last week, and then COVID hit and everything kind of, you know, put a damper into all that. But the, I don't know, we just met so many incredible people. Despite having so little, everybody was so rich. Like their families were tight. In their faith, they were rich. They were kind. Like nobody had a frown. Nobody had a complaint. Everybody was just so happy to have nothing, you know? And like we gave one of we sponsor a kid down there at my work, and he's the same age as my son. And my son gave him a, um, an old 3DS that he didn't use. And we didn't even know if he had electricity, you know. But he's yeah. like, no, no, I want to give it to him. And he was like, his jaw dropped. And he's like, Mario. Like he had kind of heard of Mario Brothers, you know, but didn't really know. And he looked at him and he was kind of like, okay. And then we went to his home. He wanted to invite us into his home. And the kid had become very distraught and embarrassed when his mom invited us to his home. And, you know, I tried to explain to him, we're all the same. Like him and my son seem to have a good relationship now. You know, we brought him like a simple Canadian soccer ball, not knowing that soccer was his favorite thing. And it really bonded like their family with our family, like it's just incredible. And, you know, you go to these people's homes and, and there's five kids sleeping in one bed with holes um, on their roof so they get rained on at night and you know they're happy you know you come back and like now I say to my son he complains about the smallest things and I say do you remember like it wasn't we just came back in March 
And he kind of, you know, gets quiet at that point, right? But it's just, I don't know, it's just so amazing. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know. All the little things that we take for granted, right? And and, and hmm. in, in other countries, the littlest things fulfill them. And, and like you mentioned, they feel rich and not hmm. a worry, not a worry. It's like, you know what really upset me was when we got back, um, like I said, I immediately started planning my next trip. And two days after we got back, COVID shut everything down. Uh, dengue became huge in the area that we had just left. Um, all the borders were closed. All the craziness started. Um, they started having curfews down there. And, and a few of the kids that I had met and had hugged got really sick um, from dengue. And, you know, it's, it's hard when you look somebody in the eye and you know people. Like, it's, it's easy to hear stories. But when you actually go, and it's, it's something that everybody should do. I can't say that enough. But, you know, I got home and a couple of weeks later, all I heard, I started to get resentment because all I heard were Canadians and Americans and all these people living in wealthy country complaining, mm -hmm. complaining about how they had to self-quarantine and isolate and being bored and not leave their homes, you know. And the, there are people like around the world that are starving because of COVID. Yeah. You know, there are people like they're hanging white flags. Like if you look... Like I connect with these people every week and it's just white flags everywhere, which signifies we're starving and they can't get food. So they're not they're Yes, they're concerned about COVID and their numbers are so high right now, but it's more, you know, people starving. And here we are just, I don't think people realize, I think everybody needs to do this at least once. I think it would change the world. I really do because I think people would just be surprised, Yeah, you know, about all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, we lose that gratefulness when we get, when we don't experience anything outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because there is, I mean, you know, even right here in the U.S., you know, I mean, you could go down the street from where you're at and there's people starving, yet we just completely miss it everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm saying that for the people that are like, I'll never leave this country. You can find it here, too. But until you experience, you know, I mean, even go down and just help feed people that are living on the streets you know, in your country or in another country, experiencing that will deepen your gratitude towards life and your understanding of how blessed that you really are to have everything. I, I understand that, what you were talking about. Uh, my wife and I lived in a bamboo hut in Thailand. And, you know, I mean, it was, if you didn't get the bug net tucked in around the bed, <laughs> there was things in the house because it wasn't, you know, airtight or anything. And, you know, exactly. It's the same thing. We come back and people complain and whine because they've got a big, beautiful house with Wi-Fi and every movie known to man and every game system and plenty of food in the fridge. And we're complaining that it's too hot to go outside or that COVID hit. And mm -hmm. it is. It's hard to to kind of come back, you know, and think of those people. And it should drive you to want to do more. You know, I like to challenge people. You know, how can we use what God's given us to do more? I think we're capable of so much more than we're doing. And my ultimate drive is to get people to use what God's given them to like the fullest of their ability and then understand that God made you capable of even more than that. And you mm -hmm. could keep trying and you could do more, not as a dissatisfaction, but just as a, a wanting, you know to do as much as you were created to do. 
Yeah, and I think we're all a little bit guilty of that, no matter how much you want to do, you know, positively. Like, I'm guilty of, you know, sometimes, you know, taking things for granted. And, you know, and even in our own country, like seeing, I think the difference from seeing people in our own country, um, like homeless people and who we help here at, at home and in our community. But when you go to a country where it's everybody is so overwhelming and they don't know any different, so they're happy. You know, like we really, they really want people to come in and teach them some skills and they don't want handouts. You know, they don't want uh, you to just come for a week and send money. They want you to really make a difference. Teach them something, teach them how to grow, you know, vegetables properly, teach them how to, um, you know, that it's okay to go to school, teach them that women should be in, in school. Like a lot of the kids we met, we went to one school that was a little bit older and the kids would work in the fields. Like these are like 10 year olds and they would work for like eight hours and then go to school for half a day. You know, they were exhausted by the time they went to school, but these were rich people. These were considered like very privileged. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's hard. Like when I hear my son sometimes and he's like, Oh, I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to said, you know how lucky it is to have an education. Yeah. You know how lucky it is to not have to go to work for eight hours before you go to school. Right. And then go back to it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I think this should be like a mandatory course or something, like right? for, for parenting or for school or something. I think it should be a mandatory human thing, like that people need to do, you know? Yeah. I second that motion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm third. There we go, there we go. There's more coming, I know it. Who's All writing right. us the petition? We'll put this thing out, we'll see what happens. And it's so easy, it's so easy. Like, I don't have money, like, I don't. And I was able to do it. If I can do it, you guys can do it. Just find something that you're passionate about. It could be anything. If you know how to, you know, nail some stuff together. You know, like go, like a couple of people we met down there were doing a project. And, all. you know, they were doing like a sun shelter for the kids. So that when the, ki the, the kids that are privileged that go to school, they can actually, you know, not have heat stroke when they go to play. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's so many different things. Like there's so many ways out there. Oh yeah. So tell me about the, we kind of, we went into the ukulele project and then we Sorry. <laughs> went off telling stories because I love stories and I love just letting it free talk and roam. And that's always how we get the best content for sure. But tell me more about the project. So you took in um, ukuleles to three different schools and then did you guys just pass them out and leave or what was that? You told us kind of what the experience was like, but did you do anything else with the ukuleles or what did it kind of lead to from there? Okay, so what we did was um, we went, we put on a show. So we didn't really know how to play the ukuleles before we went. So we learned that for this trip. So there's another easy way to say, hey, I can create something, even if I don't have the skill, right? Yeah. So we play music, but not ukuleles. So the three of us uh, learned, and we went, and we played um, – learned some Spanish songs that kids all over the world would know, just or English song, translated them into Spanish. Um, the kids would just start dancing automatically, the smiles, they all came up to us. They started sitting around us and we were singing. Um, we did about 10 songs and uh, the three of us. And then I would encourage, so we did like heads and shoulders, knees and toes, things like that. Um, so I did a little dance and kind of encouraged the kids to come up and do that. And then what we did was we made sure we had either a shaker or a ukulele for each child. 
So we had more shakers than we did ukuleles because we only raised so much money. Um, so we gave out the six, seven ukuleles in the class and then we gave the other children shakers. So just they would have something. And then we went around, we showed them how to hold it. Uh, we showed them the sounds that it could make. Um, they were all beautiful, um, very um, multicolored and very bright. And the smiles, like, wow, you know. Um, yeah. Some of them didn't want to share. They were like, you know, <laughs> wide-eyed, right? Um, and then we would have them switch so that everybody had a chance. And we left them there. Um, they're not allowed to take them home, um, but they are going to keep them in the class. And um, the teacher said she was going to start to learn so that she could come and teach the kids. So we left some um, tuners there so they would be able to tune them and some instructions on so that they could keep it up. Um, we were invited back to each of the schools. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was just great. My son was, you know, in his teenage years, I haven't seen him smile very often lately, but he was just ear to ear, you know? Yeah. And he actually, he actually put a video together. It's a two minute video. Um, not sure if I can put that on here, but it's a two minute video. So I, we started a, like a, a blog for the ukulele project and it's, it's on the, it's on there, but it's just like, I don't know. I think it really um, shows the, the, the happiness and the connection that was made. And then, so we went to three different ones. Um, one school had um, an enormous amount of children and um, kids were, you know, they came up to us and after the music, they asked us for money because they didn't have, uh, they were hungry. So that was tough. Um, and my, my son was given, I think it was $100 by my mom, so his grandmother. And she said, when you go there, if you make a connection with a child, I want you to give them this $100. You decide who you want to give it to. So he says, Mom, I want the $100. And I said, okay. She says, I want to give it to the teacher. And I said, oh, okay. He's like, why? He said, well, all the kids are saying that they're hungry. Maybe she can buy some snacks for them. So that's what she did. She bought a week's worth of snacks for 40 children with that hundred dollars. Yep. So it, you know, it was great. The kids were dancing though. And they, they had learned an English song for us. So it was so great. Like I have so many videos and it's just, it's amazing. So whenever I feel kind of down or I'm having a bad day, you know, I watch the videos and I just put myself back there and I love it. Like I can't wait to go back again. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Hopefully it's encouraging other people to chase this experience for themselves because it will enlighten you for sure. And too, I mean, like God gives every one of us different passions and different talents. And a lot of people think that some passion or some talent is more useful than others. Like I can't build houses or I'm not rich or whatever it is, but God made you love music. Mm. So you could use that. And every single one of us, whatever you're passionate about, it's God-given. Don't compare yourself to somebody else's passion. Just use yours. How can you use yours and do with it? So let's, let's wrap this up a little bit here. And I always like to end with what is a God story or a God sedence that, um, you know, where God showed you something or provided or did something amazing that we otherwise would never hear about unless we run into you and you tell us the story. Okay. So, um, I'm a Christian and I woke, I grew up in a Portuguese Christian home. We went to church and, 
And then when I was 33, my father got sick and I stopped believing in God. So the day before my father died, he said to me, he said, if you had not um, been my daughter, I still would want to be your friend because you have a good heart. And, you know, he died. I was pregnant at the time and didn't, he died at Christmas, Christmas Eve. And so, you know, we always celebrated Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And, and it took me a few years. I became really depressed and honestly had a very hard time um, believing, you know, yeah, and having faith. And, you know, over the years, my son through his project has, you know, really shown me um, how helping others is really not about you. It's about God. And it's about, you know, just, I don't know, connecting with people. We're all just here for the same amount of time. Like life is so short. And then when I started losing faith again, I met this physician friend of mine. And I mean, the first day, things happened for a reason, you know, and the first day I met her, we had made these plans to go to Guatemala. Like it was incredible. And she invited me to her church and uh, we've been going every Sunday before COVID together. And I was kind of leery at first, but, and it wasn't the typical church that I would normally go to, like a Catholic church, but it was, I cried. I cried the whole time I was there that, that hour. And we've gone together um, every week, you know, and it really has opened up my eyes to so many things. And I don't know, I just, I took that with me when I went to Guatemala and I was, I think I had my eyes more open and I just felt, I felt like, like, even if you don't, no matter what religion you believe in, I really feel that there is something out there. Like, I just felt, it feels so powerful. Like I had moments where I felt like a comforting embrace surrounding me when I was on my trip, like nothing bad was going to happen. Right. You know, like I felt safe. So I think that for me, that would be, I don't know. I know it's a few different parts to an answer, but I don't know. It's all connected for me, you know? Yeah. No, it sounds like God was, you felt like God was walking with you on your trip. And yes. It didn't yeah. What was going on with you? It didn't matter the denomination or whatever was happening before. It was exactly. just, God was walking with you and you could feel it. And that's what's awesome. The, um, you know how you're talking about the different religions and believing there's more out there and everything. We don't talk denomination on here at all. But, you know, the Bible says that creation, trees and mountains and everything, that God created it in such a form that if man never had the Bible in front of him or another person, he never met another person, he would be able to look upon the earth and understand that there's something bigger out there and something beyond there that created all this. So it's what you're feeling. It's like, that's the way God created this place, you know, was so that we could feel him no matter what. And all we have to do is be open to it like that, opening our eyes. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm learning every day, you know, but I'm so much more open to it and it's changed my life. Like, I was always afraid of death before, but when I was on my trip, like you said, I felt comforted. I felt that there was no reason to be afraid. So, and I thought, you know what, if something happens, it's meant to happen and I was okay with it. I felt... Um, that I wasn't alone. Yeah. And never, I haven't always never felt are. that. Yeah. And I haven't always felt, I've felt alone a lot of my life. And I just, I don't anymore. 
Well, it sounds like that relationship is getting where it needs to be and just keep seeking and deepening that because once you get to a point where you know exactly where you're going and why and how and <laughs> you won't be afraid of anything and then people will call you crazy like they do me. <laughs> and me. <laughs> You'll start having all these good ideas and telling people about Christ. <laughs> It'll be you awesome. Guys are awesome. <laughs> I've been starting to listen to a lot more um, uh, music, yeah, around that topic. So <laughs> and, and I'm really enjoying a lot of the messages I'm hearing in some of the music, like the Christian music and just different music out there. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. There's so many things out there that we don't know anything about. There's so many resources. Um, Speaking of the resources, you've mentioned a few things that I want to make sure we ask you about. Um, I know you have a podcast called Giving Starts With You, right? I do. Just, just uh, It's new, very new, just a few just weeks launched. now. Okay, and where can people find it? Um, Apple Podcasts right now. Gotcha. iTunes. Okay, and then what about the blog? You mentioned you had a blog. Um, yeah, I started that just before the ukulele project, um, so I could have a place to um, record some of, of the trip, and so that I could also put some information um, and maybe gather donations for my son's homeless drive as well. So that's fairly new as well. It's called travellivegive.com. Okay. And then that was the other thing, was um, what's your son's nonprofit? I know you kind of told us a little, you know, real briefly what it was he was doing, but what's it called and what's the area where he's focused? Yeah, so um, it's called Evan's Loot Bag for the Homeless. Um, we don't what? Loot Bag. Okay. Yeah, he was six and he wanted to give loot bags out, so that's what we called it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he, um, it's, it's done in the community in Barrie, Ontario, just north of Toronto, and we run it once a year. And we reach about 50 people. It, uh, in, in a short form, it's gone from the two of us to about um, 30 kids mm -hmm. and um, about 10 families. And we go out and, yeah. Cool. That's Sounds awesome. Like fun. Sounds like fun. Good way for him to be uh, coming up in the world for sure. One, helping people and reaching out. And two, setting that example for other kids his age. Thank you. I'm well, proud of it. <laughs> yeah, sounds awesome. <laughs> if we get him to where he's a little more comfortable, you know, like I said, we'll have to get him in and talk to him so he can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we really appreciate you giving us your time and telling us your stories today. Thank you for having me. What an honor. I, I love what you're doing. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We, we work hard on it. Melissa, mm -hmm. thanks for coming in and, and giving us your time as well. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Nelia. It was a pleasure having you. Oh, thanks, Melissa. And for everybody listening, and we appreciate you giving us your time as well, and we hope to see you on the next episode. Have a good one. Hey, thank you for your time. Please remember to rate and subscribe. After being a full-time missionary, I got tired of people looking at me like it must be really hard to do what you do. And they'd say things like, I'd love to be able to do something like that, but insert excuse when the real reason was because they saw what we were doing as a sacrifice. That to do missions work, they would have to give up everything that quite honestly was forcing them to do things they didn't like for people they couldn't stand so they could afford things that they didn't need. The truth is, as full-time missionaries, it was one of the few times in my life when I was truly fulfilled. It was the closest to God I'd ever been. 
debt-free, not stressed, and living the life of an adventure I'd always wanted. If you too believe that it's time for a change, then head over to watchmissionslive.com and join the revolution.